Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way. She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Project Blue Book. You may remember us as the third major U.S. Air Force study of unidentified flying objects from 1952 to 1970, and how we absolutely, totally shut down and didn't continue any operations to this day. No, sir. No way, no how. Project Blue Book would like to remind you that the flash of light you saw in the sky was not a UFO, It was just swamp gas from a weather balloon that was trapped in a thermal pocket and reflected by the light of Venus. Project Blue Book. Don't watch the skies. Keep your eyes looking down at your cell phone. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the mid-October edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Mickey, I probably should get this out of the way, a non-mysterious phenomenon. Uh, Uh This is our first show since the uh, game two weeks ago between the Jets and Pittsburgh. One of the few Jets games in the last, uh, how old am I, 41 in the last let's say 25 30 years that i have not watched at all um and it sounds like i didn't miss it very much um one i think that was really um kind of weak of you to not watch considering you know it was our game my team <laughs> versus your team i feel like it was something you should have watched and hi everybody and welcome back i'm mickey um and Here's the thing, Jim. I I feel like you should have watched it because it may have very well been the last good game of the Steelers season. Because while we thoroughly enjoyed thumping the Jets, the very next week, not only do we have a terrible game, Ben gets hurt. So, you know. I'm kind of like that was like my peak of the season right now and right and the rest of it is looking very questionable. Yeah, and by not watching, I, I denied you some good gloating moments, didn't I? Yes, and it's not fair. I mean, like, it's really legitimately <laughs> not fair. And I feel like the audience um, and our listeners will agree that you owe it to me to watch those highlights. You know, or, you know, lowlights, as they may be for you. <laughs> Mickey, because of an epileptic condition, I'm not allowed to see the Steelers Bumblebee uniforms. Lies. Um, the, the, you know, bizarre yellow and black interlocking zigzag pattern that they have on them of thin stripes. Uh, not only causes feedback on your television, it can cause seizures. And you guys haven't noticed the throwback uniforms the Packers wore the other night had pants that were flesh colored. Every time I glanced at the screen from something else, it looked like they were half naked. Why are there naked players? <laughs> I don't know. It was bizarre. The bottom half of the bumblebees are khaki, and no one even notices this because the jersey is so distracting for Steelers. <laughs> I mean, it, and that was the last time they are supposedly going to wear. That was the last flight of the bumblebees, if you will, <laughs> um, because they're not going to wear that jersey anymore. They're going to come up with a new one, and I, you know, I, I, people complain about that bumblebee. But I will tell you this, we always played well, we usually won with it. Um, so, I, you know, even though I personally, and it could very well have been a distraction type situation, people on the field like, what is going on? I'm going to pass out. Um, all I know is, again, at this point, it's like a highlight. However, as much as people complain about the bumblebees that we have, did you guys see the color rush game the other night? 
Yes, the Crayola Showdown, which we're having on Thursday nights. <laughs> oh, my good God. What? I believe it was the Denver Traffic Cones um, <laughs> up against the, uh, the San Diego uh, Naval Midshipmen, I believe. Right? They were all <laughs> top to bottom. The yellow I and blue. you kind of nailed it with the crayons because with, the minute you said that, <laughs> I pictured them instead of wearing helmets. They had like pointed crayon tops, like the I, top of a crayon. I tried to explain that. Throwback jersey thing to my wife. She was watching all these games, going, "What the heck are they thinking with those jerseys?" I said, "Have you seen the Houston Astros nineteen eighties rainbow clown uniforms?" <laughs> and I showed her a picture. She said that was the all time worst she had ever seen. It looks like a nineteen seventy eight travel brochure for Hawaii. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's bad. I, I'm struck by this, and I really don't like this. Is it is it color showdown Thursday? Whatever it is, color the- rush. Color Rush, okay. The um, And again, it's a marketing ploy to sell a specific jersey mm-hmm. that is this kind of jersey. However, they're not thinking of those of us that are not colorblind whenever they decided this because watching it throughout the season has been bad. Watching it Thursday night, last Thursday night, was special because as you mentioned, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that you had the, the Denver traffic cones, as you mentioned, <laughs> and... The San Diego supercharged electric blue <laughs> kind um, of thing going on, and it was traumatizing to my eyes. Do, do <laughs> anyone does anyone actually buy the bumblebee jerseys in the NFL merchandise yeah. stores? They I, buy them. I'm related to people who own them. <laughs> Mickey, how many people in the stands will be wearing a bumblebee uniform jersey? Uh, you're not going to see as many bumblebees. I mean, everybody pretty much has a jersey on, mm-hmm. if you've ever watched. And so everybody kind of has a different kind. One of the things I love about being a Steelers fan is that when you do go to our games, everyone has not only a different type of jersey, everyone has a different name on the back and a different number. And I find that fascinating that Steelers fans seem to relate to different players. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go into, say, for instance, um, the Ravens Stadium, uh, even to this day, you walk in and they all have Ray Lewis jerseys on. <laughs> and that's for the people who are offended by Ray Rice. Right, right. Because they had to burn the Ray Rice jerseys so they could put the Ray Lewis jerseys back on. Down here in yeah. Houston, the only jersey anyone wears is number 99, J.J. Watt. And it's like, we do have other players, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you find that a lot in other cities. And in Pittsburgh, everyone, I mean, it's funny to me because even the people I watch with, one person wears Heath Miller, one person wears Ben Roethlisberger, one person wears a, a, a I'm sorry, a Antonio Brown jersey. Um, I wear, you know, a Harrison jersey often. Sometimes I use all of my jerseys are defensive. So when I rotate through them, it's just another defensive player. Usually I ultimately end up back in my favorite jersey, which is actually ironically a throwback jersey. Um, the original black with the gold bars. Uh, he had a phenomenal game against the Ravens on Monday night wearing that throwback jersey, and I ordered it the next day, and so I wear that James Harrison jersey a lot. Yeah, it's like who you choose as your uniform of says a lot about you. says a lot about your era. Uh, says a lot about, you know, chances are if you're wearing an old-timers, you probably wore uh, that old timers. I have an Al Toon jersey in the 1980s era Kelly Green New York Jets stuff. Um, I also have a Wayne Corbett one of the you know what, what is the problem with the Jets and the kind of retro uniforms is that they already went back to their retro uniforms for the 1960s. So I keep waiting for them to go to the 1980s era 
bright Kelly green. You would not want to drive a car this color. You would not want to paint your hair this color. You only want to see this color in an Ireland travel brochure. Um, you know, you're, you're a St. Patrick's Day uniform. You have a Namath one, don't you? Uh, actually, I don't. It's before my time. Um, at some point, I probably should get one. But, uh, to paraphrase a politician, what difference does that make? Yeah. Namath won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think the original oldest, like not one that I bought as a, you know, you buying Lambert or Harris after the fact, obviously before my time. But the first one that I recall having that was mine, mine, that I picked out was Greg Lloyd. So if that says a lot about me, that my first was Greg Lloyd and my current favorite is and has been James Harrison, you can only imagine what the remainder of my jerseys look like. So I was going to say, also, if you're wearing, say, Colin Kaepernick, it says a lot about you right now. It's that I don't really like football, but I like <laughs> the warrior. Um, but, yeah, I, I would like to see the league go back to classic throwback uniforms if you're going to do that. I don't like this color rush stuff. You mentioned people who are colorblind. I believe the first game they did this for, Mickey, was a Jets-Bills game last season. And nobody bothered to check that when you have somebody in bright green uniforms and bright red uniforms, Colorblind viewers at home cannot tell which team is which, and yeah. really, and so finally, when the Jets and Bills played again this year, the Jets had to wear all white uniforms just to uh, uh, to make it more visible. So I give credit to the NFL in recognizing this eventually, but you know, it doesn't make eventually, sense to have both teams. Like, what genius didn't think of that? Apparently, yeah. uh, in Houston, our quarterbacks have been colorblind for years. <laughs> Can't tell the difference <laughs> between the, the wrong teams. jersey all the time. <laughs> Testaverde, the all-time, I believe, if not the all-time leader in interceptions, then he's up there. Uh, he also was legally colorblind, which explained a bunch. Uh, and I guess at one point the Jets had switched from green helmets to white helmets uh, because they thought that would help them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering how much, how many options there are and how many teams, like, like I believe, you know, Dave, don't the Houston Astros put on those classic Dayglo Crayola 80s era uniforms for like one game a year you know i think you're right but i can't be sure because since about 11 years ago when they went to the world series and got their clocks cleaned by the chicago white Sox, i haven't really paid any attention to the astros Ah, but in some ways like even a really bad uniform can be you know kind of memorable like the um uh, the pastel orange uh buccaneers you know the, the you know Oh Lord! With yes, the eighties the um, Buccaneers, the eighties Tampa Bay uniforms are tang. Well, you know. Yeah, tang does come to mind. Actually, that's a great, like, kind of tangerine. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of like other great, classically bad uniforms. Uh, you know, when the Jets go to their throwbacks in the past couple of years, their first three years of their existence, they were the New York Titans, and they wore a blue and gold one. So when the Jets wear their you know throwback uniforms. They go to a uniform that looks nothing like the current one, and I'm sure everybody watching the highlights on SportsCenter or something is like, wait a minute, what team is that? Who? You know, and like, yeah, no, it's the Jets. They're just not in green today. And see, that's confusing, and I don't see that it's helpful. But again, we've discussed this on previous shows uh, for new listeners and for those of us who listen every week. You know that we have a problem with the NFL right now. Now, are Jim and I boycotting it? Hell no. Why? Because we love football. However, we do see that there's a problem, and I do hope that the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, listens for some point. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's frustrating as a fan, but let's face it, we keep coming back for more week after week. Just like we hope, you'll come back and listen to us in the next segment. Lawrence Taylor denies any involvement in this. Mr. Whipple! 
Please don't squeeze the Charmin. New squeezably soft Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble. Take it home and squeeze it. Hi, I'm Mickey White, and you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome back. As we are discussing something that has been troubling Jim um, since he went to the movies this weekend. Now, Jim, you take your boys to the movies quite a bit. And it's pretty rare for you to pop up and tell me that something really bothered you about one of the movies that the boys saw. And, uh, and, and it was even more interesting as we discussed it to find out that you and the boys didn't see it quite the same way. You no. went and saw James Patterson's book that has been made into a movie, The Middle School Years, and it's The Worst Years of My Life. Is that the subtitle? Correct. The title is Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life, uh, based on a pretty popular kids' book series. Um, if you saw one of the trailers, you have an idea of what about 90% of this movie is. Say, a perfectly lighthearted story of two kids fed up with the anal-retentive, hyper-oppressive rules of a standardized, testing-obsessed principal, uh, and they decide to lead an insurrection with these anonymous, increasingly elaborate pranks. And, and you know, uh, I only took my older son, who is nine. Uh, he loved it. He read the book. He totally got into it. And like I said, not, you know, vast majority of this movie is perfectly fine. I'd recommend it as long as you're okay with a rather heavy-handed message of sometimes the rules aren't for everyone. Um, no, no, what bothered me, and by the way, spoilers, spoiler alert for anybody thinking of going to watch this movie. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But it's necessary. Yeah, you know, I can't discuss what bothered me without going into this. So, so the main kid in this story is uh, named Rafe. He's an artistic kid always doodling in his notebook, and uh, he, we know he's been in trouble in schools before. It's his first day at a new school, he's transferring, uh, and he meets a, his, his friend Leo, who he knows from a previous school, uh, similarly rebellious and, and, you know, tending to uh, a free spirit, you could say. And together they kind of, you know, launch their insurrection against this oppressive principle. Now, as the movie progresses, we find out that uh, Rafe mentions that he had a younger brother who died from cancer, um, about two thirds of the way through the film, the, you know, the mom is worried about, uh, uh, this, by the way, no mention of where Rafe's father is in this story, which is one of my, uh, bugaboos about, uh, uh, modern Hollywood, but I'll just kind of, you know, skip over that part. Um, but she says, you know, I know you've had a really hard time since you've lost your younger brother. I know he was your best friend. And then they pan over to a family picture and we see Rafe, we see his younger sister, we see his mother. And then we see Leo, the friend, and all of a sudden it clicks for us. Leo was his younger brother. The whole movie, he's been interacting with either a ghost or a figment of his imagination of his deceased younger brother. And so this was like the sixth sense for kids. Yes, very much like the sixth sense. And my older son had read the book, knew this, didn't bother to tell daddy. <laughs> my son seemed to handle this <laughs> fine. I'm tearing up because all of a sudden you're realizing this, you know, this lighthearted story and all the times we've seen him kind of joking around with his buddy. And, oh, by the way, it is like the sixth sense. You look back and you realize you never saw this other kid interacting with any other character except Rafe. Um, you kind of have this recognition. Of, oh, he, he's really he's really troubled. He's really upset if his main friend and really the only friend we've seen him with is this imaginary, is this the imaginary ghost of his dead brother. Um, so that always gave me a completely different tone to the movie. I wouldn't say it ruined it for me, but I kind of, you know, like, whoa, this is, this is a much... And Hollywood extra- wonders why they're losing money. And he, I say this because when you're, you, when we discuss this as, you know, in pre-show prep, what did I tell you? I'm not going to see this movie anyway. Go ahead and tell me. 
mm-hmm. because the minute you said that there was a spoiler that upset you, I knew I didn't want to see it. It reminds me again of like Up. I hated that movie. Mm. Um, I didn't care for Inside Out. I thought that was depressing as as F, as the kids say. <laughs> um, but it was just, you know, I, when I go to see a movie that I think is going to be a comedy, you know what would be cool? Is it was funny. <laughs> you have a mighty high standard. I don't want to leave, though, having a moment of, like, I had this whole, like, existential crisis moment because I thought about the dead kid with cancer. Oh, my God. Not funny. That's not how I want to spend my Saturday afternoons. For what it's worth, as not only was my son, you know, not bothered by that, as far as I could tell, nobody else was. <laughs> um, I would point out uh, the, the other – I went with a uh, – They read the book. Uh, they probably all read the book. Uh, I went with a uh, friend and, and her son, and she, you know, her son hadn't read the book, didn't see bothered. She, too, thought it was getting a little dusty in the movie theater uh, when you suddenly realize he's been talking to his you know, dead brother the whole time. But for, for what I, I suspect this is an effort to make the movie um, not just fluff, to give it a little uh, heart, you know, meaningfulness. They definitely talk about the brother more in the remainder of the movie. It just struck me, Mickey, as like one of the most unexpected whoa plot twists out of all time. You said very much, you know, like the Sixth Sense, um, and I think because it, this is like a Nickelodeon movie. This is not what you'd expect to be. You know, you would not expect this sucker punch in the middle of this lighthearted kids comedy. All I can say is that James Patterson is a genius. He's also a money making machine because now he's figured out a way to get people addicted to his writing. In the young adult section. Oh, yes. He's, I believe last year he wrote something in there, like, I believe 489 different books. Um, exactly. 1.7 per day. <laughs> yeah. And all of them, by the way, have, I believe, uh, 900 chapters. <laughs> the, the chapters are like two pages long. And I've heard somebody argue that like, that's one of the secrets to a good book is that if, you, if your chapters are very short, people can put it down and they feel like they've come to the end of a chapter. But if you have very long chapters, people feel like it's oh, it's taking a long time to get through them. I agree. I also think that his forced change of perspective, each chapter, mm. is part of the success. Like, I'm a big James Patterson fan, so I'm just putting it out there. Um, but even in his books, as you continue, the formula that works for him is that he has short chapters and he has forced change of perspective in almost every chapter. So a lot of the times at the beginning of the book, you're not sure who the narrator is. All right, so as I'm, as I'm coming over this and, and you know, uh, entering my, my 12-step recovery program for other parents who saw this movie, uh, Mickey and David, I think, you know, so off the top of your head, what, uh, what gut punch plot twist do you remember and sitting there watching in the movie theater or watching on TV and saying, oh, my goodness, I can't believe, you know, because I, I have two others that I, I've got in the back of my mind. Well, I mean, obviously, I already mentioned The Sixth Sense. I think that that's probably one of the big ones and of course M. Night Shyamalan is fantastic with this but I was one of the few people in the world who liked The Village and I thought the plot twist in that was really good and solid and I did not see it coming and for me that's rare so all right Mickey my my all-time favorite TV twist I'm going to take people all the way back to the 1980s Miami Vice all right, Crockett and Tubbs, one of these iconic shows. When people think about the 80s, they inevitably see picture Don Johnson with the neon shirt and light-colored jacket open and all that kind of stuff. And so the sleeves know. rolled yeah. up on the jacket. The sleeves rolled up That's on right. the jacket. Right. And no socks. Don't forget, no yeah. socks. So Pop in those collars. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the first couple of seasons, they do an episode that's titled Out Where the Buses Don't Run. 
And Crockett and Tubbs have to work with this retired cop who has been spent time in a mental institution. And he comes across as kind of this wacky, wacky, lovable, crazy guy who's constantly doing strange voices and quoting movies and uh, is in love with his computer and talks like the whole time is really kind of a funny, silly, crazy guy stereotype who used to be a cop and knew about this drug kingpin that was acquitted of charges and then disappeared from town. And Crockett and Tubbs, for the case that they're working on, have to figure out what happened to this guy. And they spend about 50 minutes with this wacky cop going around town, investigating clues. And finally, the wacky guy says, I know where he is. I know where he is. We have to go to this address. And they go to the address, and it's an abandoned house. And everybody's kind of like, and they're looking at the, the, the crazy cop, and they're kind of like, you know, what, what are you talking about? He takes out a sledgehammer, and he starts smashing at the walls. And now you think, okay, this guy's completely lost it until they find the dead body behind the wall. And this crazy, lovable, wacky cop wasn't crazy and lovable the whole time. He killed the drug kingpin and hid the body. And it's this all of a sudden, like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't one of those fun, lovable, you know, amusing, eccentric guys. This guy's disturbed. And we've been watching and enjoying this the whole time. So um, a lot of people say it was one of the best uh, Miami Vice episodes. And one of those great, oh, we think it's going to be this kind of an episode – no, it's totally different. Um, and one of the great sucker punches of audiences of all time. I would be remiss if I did not mention the usual suspects. Um, I think of it more as kind of a long con movie, I guess. Yeah. But at the same time, it definitely has that plot twist at the end that when you watch it the very first time, you're like, that just happened. <laughs> and you find yourself like you, you've all of a sudden you need to watch it again. Nearly immediately, as I recall. <laughs> uh, Memento was one where I watched it and turned around, found Mrs. Campaign's yes. We have to watch that movie again. I, I, I have to watch that movie one more time. You have to see it. This is amazing. I own Memento. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And even, like, when you're, wa- again, when you're watching that through the very first time, it's it's you're so caught up in all the twists and the turns and you're trying to figure it out with them. And when you do, it's like there was before that moment. Mm-hmm. You talk about the idea of a character who's been dead all along. You didn't realize it. The old NBC show Scrubs did it in one of their episodes in a really good way that, you know, with the guy uh, from the mummy, Brendan yeah, Fraser. Yeah, the, uh, and the idea that the uh, Turk kind of the, 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 the most snide and, and did it, too. Mm. with Aisha Taylor, and it was, like, startling. Yeah. You know, particularly if you do it through the character who you'd least expect to have a breakdown like that. Um, it just, you know, totally, you know, grabs the audience. I think a lot of people said it kind of tore their heart out. And there's that first couple moments of confusion of, wait a minute, this isn't making sense, and then the light goes off. Yep. So um, a lot of these have to do with death. So I'm sorry we have such a grim topic. Uh, uh, I hate to cut, think about time running out, but it does appear... <laughs> that the time is running out both for this segment and for the normal part of the years in terms of timekeeping. We'll be back right after this. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And have you noticed something when you wake up in the morning lately? You may be up, but the sun isn't. Yes, that giant glowing orb in the sky has gotten lazy. 
He's not rising the way he used to. He's managing to sleep late, even though you can't. So, yes, the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting longer, and apparently we are getting closer and closer to Sunday, November 6th, when we have to change our clocks, fall back, spring forward, and the sun will get up even later. So if we, so if we fall back, technically, this is the one where we get an extra hour of sleep, though, right, Mickey? Yes, or as I remember thinking about it in college, an extra hour of partying. Because instead of the bars closing at two, they legitimately closed at three that night. So it was fantastic. Um, since those days, I've come to hate daylight savings times, though. Yeah, as I say, the spring forward one is always the, you know, oh, you thought you got that extra hour of sleep? Nah. You know. Meanwhile, I love spring forward because I love really? spring and I love summer. And I'm one of those people. I don't know if I officially have like the seasonal affective disorder that is out there, but I am certainly affected by it. Um, and I attempt to go out and get some morning sun, as was suggested to me. And, and it does seem to work. Um, I know people get sun lamps this time of year. Like, Jim, tell me something. How do we go from having sunlight from all day long to no sunlight ever? <laughs> well, that's called an eclipse, Mickey. No. Um, it's okay. not like, you know, we get, oh, you know, yeah, we lose an hour of sunlight on each side. No, 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 no. We lose all of the sun all the time because I can remember getting up and going to work and it's dark out and coming home and it's dark out. For a thousand years. What you mean? Okay. What you mean is why is it? Uh, why, why does it change a couple minutes each year, each day? Or uh, it's, it's, it's it's just the dark all the, the time. Like the, the it, it doesn't make sense. I realize that there's a whole bunch of science crap behind it. <laughs> what I'm telling you is that it doesn't make sense that we wake up and it's dark, and you again drive into work. You're on your way in. You're using your headlights. And then you're coming home from work and you're using your headlights. You know what? Like farthest February. north I ever lived was Brussels in Belgium, which is like along the Canadian border. And up there in the summertime, days are almost 19 hours long. And in the wintertime, that's how long it's dark because it's so far north that when the when the 23-degree tilt of the Earth's axis mm -hmm. is away from the sun instead of towards it for the northern hemisphere, you can hardly see the sun at all. It is amazing to hear birds chirping and feel like the morning has begun at like 3.45 a.m. I'm not kidding you. Mickey, count your blessings. Anywhere really to the north, and it's only much worse and psychologically devastating. So let me ask you this then. So theoretically, since this is all based on what I've now termed the technical term of science-y stuff. <laughs> crap. Um, Science crap. Science crap, exactly. <laughs> Theoretically, the closer I get to the equator, the less I have to deal with this crap. That is correct. It's, it's amazing. It's really been nice hanging out with y'all. And the good thing is I can do this from anywhere. <laughs> so right. um, peace out. Okay. <laughs> I I'm going to be down in South America. You know, next on the Jim and Mickey show, magnets. How do they work? <laughs> the question submitted by the insane clown posse. You More shut up. Science if you crap. think I'm the only person who doesn't have issues with all of this darkness and wouldn't <laughs> like to hear it explained in a way that would make it go away, which means apparently I can move south yes. um, and get away from it. Yes, there are things that are valuable about this. <laughs> Dave is correct. That it is much. First of all, we in the United States tend to think that most European cities are uh, roughly parallel to us. They're in, north. in terms of geography, and they're not. They're actually they're all considerably more north than, than you'd expect. Um, so I'm going to point out to having 
Uh, New Year's you Eve. You lie. Americans don't know their geography. Please. They don't, Mickey. Believe me. They don't. So, I lived in Brussels. I just asked you to explain daylight savings time. Um, I was going to say New Year's Eve in Dublin, Ireland, probably more than a decade ago. First of all, you two is right. All is quiet on New Year's Day. Um, in <laughs> the, part because everybody's completely, everyone's still national the night before. Uh, the second thing is, uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to guess like the sun was up at nine, down by three. You got maybe six hours. And then what it was was that the sun just never got that high in the sky. Uh, and then the flip side, I think it was a, you know, the is last. They drink all the time. Ago. I'm sorry? Is that why they drink all the time? That is. I'm sure there's a lot of long, cold winters in a lot of ways. You know, all that beer and whiskey and stuff like that. Easy way to make it go, but go pass by quicker. Can't get any work um, done, right? There's no sun. Yeah. Nothing's growing. Uh, there's nothing to do. My little drink. The uh, Alaska in summer, uh, a couple cruises. You know, the sun just never gets that. It's like a sunset that just goes on for hours and hours yep. and hours. And it's kind of you know, on the one hand, if you like sunset pictures, it's very nice. On the other hand, if your body clock, or say you're traveling with like a you know six year old and an eight year old uh, who need to get to sleep, <laughs> having the sun up the oh. entire time and, and you know visible through the curtains in the cabin, and they're like, but dad, it's not dark. It can't be yes, bedtime. Yes, you got it. You got it. So. <laughs> Um, so I, I imagine if you live in those areas, your body and mind either adjust to it um, or you kill yourself in a terrible <laughs> state of depression and rage. And, and oh, my God. One or the other. It's sort of Darwinism. The Jim and Mickey Show. of Mental Health Awareness Month. The Jim and Mickey Show has gone there again. This is the grim edition. <laughs> we'll call it the gallows humor edition. <laughs> Why do you think all the um, – the girl with the dragon tattoo and all these Icelandic grim, you know, uh, murder mysteries and thrillers and all that stuff. It's because, you know, I'm sure in the winter you've got like 20 hours of darkness and they're all just kind of sitting around staring at each other. All uh, serial killers come from Denmark, right? That's right. You know, all these Nordic countries. You know. I now have a built-in distrust of both Canadians and people from Maine. <laughs> what, what did the Mainers do? They're right up there beside them. Oh, okay. Right okay. next to Canadians. Now we've gone from the grim edition to the paranoid edition of the Jim and <laughs> Blame Canada. Yeah, no, I look, I, I think one of the reasons, here's the problem. We've discussed the, the seasons and times of year on the, the Jim and Mickey show quite a few times before. Winter is fine till about New Year's or maybe even the Super Bowl. Yeah, winter, it is pleasant for a while. You get that first snow. It looks very pretty. The problem with winter comes when about February. When you're, you're done, all right? You, you'd like to see the sun again. The, the, these idea of getting up before the sun is driving you crazy. The idea of the sun setting before your evening commute is bad. And then it just keeps going on. And yes, you're right. The days do get a little bit longer. Uh, I believe it's after December 21st, right, Dave? Yep. And I Easter tell you, in year. Belgium, uh, I have played some rounds of golf where I know at that. 12 noon, I had a 40-foot-long shadow. That tells you what winter is like in the northern part of the northern hemisphere. I know the countdown from December 21st. I did know that because that is like my favorite day of daylight savings time because every day after that, the days get longer. And I have a friend whose birthday is December 22nd. I I call it the the darkest day of the year when I tell him happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, ultimately, because what's odd about it is that the length of the days and the seasons don't align perfectly, right? You'd expect – uh, the, the nights to be longest and the days to be shortest right around the middle of winter. But most of us would classify December 21st as the beginning, of, you know, towards the early part of winter. Flip side, June 21st doesn't really strike most people as um, 
midsummer. I think most people would say it's kind of closer to the beginning of summer. Yep. Um, so I think that's the other thing which kind of throws us off is that we get the time of we, we get the darkness of midwinter early, uh, but it takes a while before the days get longer and you know. The snow and temperatures don't track either. It gets the hottest yeah. in July and August, which is when the days are already getting shorter. Now it's my understanding that there are some people who like this. Is that possible? Like what? Daylight savings time or? Yes. or? No, because I have to go around the entire house fixing it. Um, I, I also believe, I believe there's a story that uh, on ABC News this week, the, the Sunday morning talk show, uh, obviously the, the clocks always change between Saturday night and Sunday morning. George Will shows up an hour early every single daylight savings time. He never fixes his clock. He always, and, and Sam Donaldson always used to make fun of him. For That's that. great. <laughs> Everybody else, you're the smartest man on earth, but you I can't feel you with this. And uh Maybe, you know, George Will just like getting there an hour early so he wouldn't have to deal with Sam Donaldson. I don't know. But, uh, they still yeah, haven't made ovens and microwaves that can change their time on daylight savings time without you having to do it. My phone will do that. My computer will do that. Why can't my oven and my microwave change time? You probably get one of those new Samsung ones, and as long as it doesn't blow up, <laughs> you'll be solid. Yeah, I could use the Samsung for a burner, right? Heat coffee, right? that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Dave thing One of the again. things that I, I, when I think of daylight saving time, I will always remember is when I was coaching uh, the football team. And we ultimately be playing in the fall and on Sundays. And every single fall, I, I had the, you know, fall back. This is going to fall back. So remember, this is what time you need to be there. Fall was never a problem because you could get there early. <laughs> Spring. Was always a problem, as in every single year, I had people showing up as the game was beginning to end. And so, what I started to do, um, because I, I had usually had like a warm up and things built in, I would just extend that an extra half hour on on the morning of the spring forward game, and I'd remind them. And these are grown adults, by the way; <laughs> these are not children. These are adults. Everyone who played on my team was over twenty two years old. And I still had to remind them repeatedly, and we still ended up with people who miss games because of it. We, we probably should be like just kind of a, a big national rule: don't schedule anything that important for the Sunday morning after the time change in spring. <laughs> the big pageant for Easter's got to happen on this day, and everybody's got to get there exactly on time. You know? <laughs> We're asking for trouble in that, or or schedule it like you know to happen to occur, but actually one hour or one hour before you actually want it to occur. So that everybody shows up an hour early without knowing it. So, The only good thing about this time of year, and I mean this, this is the singular bright spot in this dark, dark season. <laughs> and that is, of course, Halloween is coming. And we are finally getting ready. And people are finally talking about it and finally doing things instead of talking about all the other crap that's going on in the world. Science because crap. Halloween is important. And we're going to be talking about Halloween and some of our favorite stories coming up next i'm june lockhart and i've served a lot of fried chicken to my family but fried chicken can be a little greasy that's why i'm so happy with shake and bake you shake and bake no frying so your chicken comes out crispy but not greasy like fried chicken Mmm, you could really taste the difference crispy but not greasy like fried chicken shake and bake it's better than frying hi i'm mike wallace you jack wagon 
Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host Jim Garrity. And for those of you who have been listeners of the show for the last two years or have read anything that I've ever written, at some point you would have heard how much of a fan I am of Halloween. I love it. It is one of the few high holy holidays in my world where I get the opportunity to dress up. Uh, maybe it is the ultimate in escapism for me, but as an adult, I still um, plan on having multiple costumes this year and going to <laughs> Halloween parties. And for some people, I realize that, you know, Halloween's kind of an annoyance and something that people kind of look at poorly. But for me, Halloween is a great holiday. It's an opportunity to kind of relive the fun times as a kid, as a teenager. And obviously, you know, even as a parent, when you're taking your kids out and they're doing the trick-or-treating, that's a great part of Halloween too. But Halloween doesn't always mean like good vibes, does it, Jim? Ah, well, are you, are you talking about the... Uh... The national crisis of the clowns, or the national overwhelming pumpkin mania uh, that has overwhelmed, that is that has put pu- stuffed pumpkin spice up our national. It's monster. really difficult when you look at your show notes and you see in front of you clown pulling <laughs> and pumpkin orgy. <laughs> so I'm I'm really torn as to which direction. If anyone can do far. it, you guys can. Yeah, so, go ahead, Jim. So the clown pulling is, as you know, Dave said, is happening in his neck of the woods as well during the break. Uh, they are pulling scary clown costumes from the stores. Uh, I believe several major retailers have agreed to do this out of concern uh, about the alleged, you know, scary clowns menacing children and things like that in neighborhoods. They're attributing this to problems of vigilantism, uh, people actually taking shots at people in clown masks, uh, concerns of children being scared, and of course, Batman. <laughs> Look, we've discussed the creepy clowns on the show before. I have made my view on this 100% clear. They are for stabbing. (laughs) Clown season is open. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, kid, you had it coming. That's right. This is what the stores are afraid of. They're pulling the clown outfits because they're afraid someone will sue them. I I think it's ridiculous that they're pulling clown outfits, by the way. Because a kid in a clown outfit gets shot by a neighborhood vigilante committee. That's what they're afraid of. Well, I get all of that. I do. It just doesn't make any sense because it's not as though if you wanted a clown costume, you couldn't already have one. And it's not as though you still can't order them online. And, you know, honestly, I don't know who all's pulling them and who isn't. But what I will tell you is this. Clowns have always been creepy. If your kid was into clowns, have them checked out. (laughs) Hey, hey. You should not need to have the store interfere in the process of you stopping someone in your family that you love from buying a clown costume. Don't let, a, don't let your kid get involved in drugs, gangs, or clowns. Bozo That's intervention right. time. <laughs> Remember, it starts with the red shoe. It ends with the toe tag. <laughs> hey, hey! And that ought to be the end of a segment right there. I don't know what to do from here on out. Well, hold on a second, Dave. You, know, you, you might have thought, ooh, clown pulling. No, no, I'm going to say the headline. Ooh, clown pulling. Gonna say Gored to death, G O U R D, through Trader Joe's annual pumpkin orgy. Um, My favorite meme of the year, by the way, is a bunch of naturally white pumpkins in a pumpkin field with a tragic uh, caption that says someone came and poached all the pumpkin spice from them. <laughs> Make sure you right. only buy legally made pumpkin spice. <laughs> albino pumpkins, but they're saying they took the pumpkin spice out of the... Now I'm explaining the joke, which makes it stupid. Hey, hey! That's okay. 
All right, so here's a, this is over by a, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Pang. He went to his local Trader Joe's and came out with 33 different uh, products that all have pumpkin spice in one form or another. Um, and I'd say that of the 33, there's a good – somewhere in the teens have made their way into the Garrity household thanks to um, <laughs> campaign spots. But, but most of them are pretty good. Um, I just do feel like someday they're going to find out that, you know uh, – uh, pumpkin spice is actually, you know, a derivative of cocaine or something like that. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the pumpkin it'll... spice must flow. So, uh, so they said, looking down this, you know, pumpkin cream cheese muffins. Eh, they're pretty good. They're okay. Let's see. <laughs> pumpkin spice scone misc. Haven't tried that. Um, pumpkin organic frosted toaster pastries. Like those. Uh, pumpkin macaroons. Yeah, I don't think so. No, don't know if I need that. Pumpkin tortilla chips. Hate to say it. Good. No. <laughs> Pumpkin body butter, no comment. Uh, um, <laughs> vinaigrette, eh, I don't think so. Pumpkin spice coffee, done that, cured pod, and the larger container. Uh, best one I'm going to say in this is country pumpkin spice granola cereal. Um, that one is up there. Um, but they also have pumpkin spice. Wait a minute, you've eaten that? Uh, the pumpkin spice granola cereal, yeah. Yes, of course you have. I'm, I'm going down this list. As I'm, you were. The pumpkin panettone. <laughs> The, the round, buttery brioche loaf with a lightly spiced, airy, but somewhat dried crumb interior uh, with pumpkin spice in it. As somebody put it out, most Americans would probably regard this particular version as bread. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to have at least 15 syllables or it's not marketing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, organic, dried, crunchy, non-processed. Uh, Gluten-free. Yeah. And pick, also, you throw a dart at a map and you say it's from a particular place. So these, these are authentic Belgian pumpkins. Or something <laughs> like that. You know, North Algerian spice. That kind of so stuff. what was the strangest thing on your list? Uh, let's see. Uh, I, the kids have had pumpkin O's. I myself have not had that. Pumpkin butter we've had. Oh, pumpkin spice chai strikes me as, as not necessary. Uh, but I suppose that's just trying to uh, get into the, uh, 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 the, the market. Pumpkin market of big pumpkin. The whole foods uh, market. If you reach, you know, hang on, a second, you know what? Hang on. We're going to add sound effects to this one because I have the pumpkin biscotti close enough to me right here. You have pumpkin biscotti. Oh my and, god! You know, for two nights, an oh Italian god. Thanksgiving. I, so Mrs. Campaign Spot is serious about her pumpkin spice. Love. She is. This is the most wonderful time of the year. And <laughs> so you like it too, and the boys. Are you all addicted to the spice? Um. I kind of got the byproduct of just having it around the house. Um, uh-huh. I drew, yes, I, by the way, I am eating one of the biscottis right I, now. I, no, I figured that. You're eating the biscotti. That, <laughs> and, of course, our listeners can tell as well. The concern is not that you're eating it. My concern well, is that you yeah. own it. They've been there a while. But, <laughs> Mickey, you should probably talk so I'm not talking with my mouth full. <laughs> oh, no. I think this is the best part, really. Um, we've got Jim Garrity with his mouth full of pumpkin biscotti. <laughs> Read your latest <laughs> National Review article for us, Jim, right now. Apparently, his house <laughs> is full of the pumpkin spice. The spice must flow. And as he was discussing earlier, perhaps it is something like a cocaine additive because he could not even keep his hands off the pumpkin biscotti <laughs> while we were on the air. <laughs> Who it's has the- an addictive problem. It's the most pumpkin <laughs> so, full time. There's something the to the idea of the mass addiction and these pumpkin spice <laughs> orgy because I've got to tell you, I don't have any of those things in my house. I've never had them. Um, things that I like that are pumpkin. Pumpkin pie. Yeah. Pumpkin roll. Um, I think that's where it ends. <laughs> 
I'm not sure that it goes any further than pumpkin pie and pumpkin You know bubble. how much cream and sugar you have to put in pumpkin flavoring just to get it to be edible, right? I right. Mean, I mean, it's a gourd. It's terrible. It tastes and, and terrible. Again, the spice idea is really just spice that you associate with pumpkin pie. And calling it pumpkin pie spice is apparently not as, you know. Right, it's got cinnamon and ginger and all kinds of stuff in it. Yeah, cardamom and whatever, but it cloves. Pie was my least favorite member of the Spice Girls. The redhead. (laughs) 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 My other observation, so here's the big question, Mickey. Do you have a Well, Repeat the big question, please, over the laughter from the crowd. (laughs) We're not getting here. Mickey, do you have a Trader Joe's in your neck of the woods? We do. What we do not have in this household is someone who is addicted to pumpkin spice. Um, I'm sure there are other things that I have that you do not. One of the things I am known for having a ridiculous number of is oils and vinegars of different types and flavors from different places. Mm -hmm. But pumpkin spice is not my thing. However, I do find it fascinating each year as a new product decides to jump in on that pumpkin spice marketing. And one of my favorites has been that Trojan, the condom oh. company, now offers a pumpkin spice condom for, you know, this time of year. So maybe something you want to, you know, throw out there to Ms. Campaign Spot. Uh, since she's such a fan. But one of the things that I saw this year that I thought was fascinating was a pumpkin spice Glock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll see if I can grab a picture of that. That up on uh, our Facebook page, but I died, and 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 it made me wonder, like, how do you know it's pumpkin spice and not just orange? <laughs> Isn't that vague scent of nutmeg with the gun smoke what gives it that extra pumpkin spice uh, feel? This is what I've got to know. If you get shot in the stomach, it's a short circuit route to flavorfulness, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been shot. Ooh, mm, that's that's good. Oh, good time to wrap this segment. I think so. <laughs> Coming up, we will be uh, doing some of your Trivial Tuesday replies, some Halloween stories. And for those of you who are our loyalist of listeners, there'll be an extra special bonus at the very, very end. Keep listening. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. You're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. You make me want to be a better man. <laughs> Look at that. It's orange. Hey, here's a great place to visit if you must do some driving. Your independent Texaco retailer. Ask how he can help you get better mileage with quality Texaco products. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And we're nearly at the end of our program. However, we always like to close with the Trivial Tuesday contest, run by my co-host. Uh, always kind of fun. She puts out a question and people offer their uh, various answers. And this is a particularly good selection this week, Mickey. Um, asking people Thank you. their best Halloween memory. Uh, thinking about costumes, parties, or a movie, and what made it special. Um, and I, I was intrigued. I think this probably one of the most, the best uh, visual, uh, uh, so you know, responses to this one. A lot of good photos of people in fantastic uh, uh, pictures. I think you know a lot of competitors for this title, but um, our friend Kat McKinley, uh, who always tends to go like like you, goes all out for Halloween. Exactly. Her daughter and her husband did corpse bride costumes that, that really look, you'd, you'd expect to see them either at a at a convention or at a uh, uh, maybe a Hollywood opening or something. I was thinking like of that. her mirror. I mean, they're phenomenal. Yeah. 
Uh, and shout out to Kathleen because I knew I could count on my girl because, like you said, she loves a good party and she loves to play dress up. Too, she's like from Halloween. down here in Houston, by the way. I've met her a few times. Great. Yes, lady. she's a doll. Uh, also, I believe she has a uh, a portrait on the wall that gets o- older each year um, because she's <laughs> I believe she's 984 years old and she looks about 27. She is gorgeous. I'll um, tell you that. Well done, Kathleen. Um our old friend Jazz Shaw, who we've had on the program in the past, said, trick-or-treating at 16, knocked on the door of young guys throwing a party, no candy, so we got beer and pizza. Um, if only we all could have the teen years. Of, I, I would watch a show called Young Jazz Shaw Chronicles. Same. I actually thought that, too, because all of his stories crack me up. And he's like, well, this is the, you know, coming from a dysfunctional family. I'm like, don't care. Still funny. <laughs> There's no such thing as a functional family. And I'm like, dude, I would totally watch that show. <laughs> um, now, Mickey, I didn't see any response to you. you. You're obviously another person who goes all out for Halloween. Any uh, any special memories or, or times of Halloween that you uh, uh, stand out to you? Well, I do plan on talking about this a little bit more next week as we get into the real Halloween weekend. But one of my absolute favorite memories is that we used to throw a Halloween party Um meaning I was the host of a Halloween party and my parents helped put it on and my entire family was involved. And we rented out a sportsman center out in the middle of nowhere. Now, I lived in the middle of nowhere. So if I thought this place was the middle of nowhere, it was really the middle of nowhere. And every year we put together games and we put together things for people to do and we encourage people to dress up. And we had a fake medium there where who I had given cards on every single person who was attending the party so that she could hit on personal things for them. Um, and, and by medium, of course, I mean a psychic um, who was sitting there. And every year we did a haunted walk. And I've always loved haunted houses and going to haunted houses, but we did it ourselves and actually did it as a family. And it was one of the best Halloween memories I've ever had. We did it a couple years in a row. For me and we did it for my sister as well and the first year we did it for me no one knew what to expect and literally my parents had to go back the next morning because we had scared them out of their shoes they had to go back and collect shoes along the pathway <laughs> you know, it's a whole bunch of like abandoned shoes along a pathway it sounds like a very ha- halloween sort of thing to do <laughs> It was fantastic. We had special effects. We had fireworks. We had working chainsaws with no chain. I mean, it it was phenomenal and no one saw it coming. But my entire family, clearly, I got it honestly. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins participated. And this was all for me and my middle school friends. Hey, hey! I'm uh, Um, six foot four. I dressed like Frankenstein and opened the door in the dark one year. That went pretty well. I was like seven feet oh, tall great. with all the stuff, the big boots and everything. Um, I will have a story for next week. Okay. I got to make sure it's okay to tell this story because it involves the widow of a celebrity um, or, or a famous figure in American history whose house I trick-or-treated at. And we did not have a good experience. So Uh-oh. I need to make sure I can talk about this person. Okay. Well, in exchange for making you wait for that, the Jim and Mickey Show proudly presents a bonus segment. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And we're almost at the end of our program. But we always wrap with our Trivial Tuesday contest. And i got to tell you, Mickey, this might be your best contest idea yet. Um, you had asked our listeners and everyone on Twitter, um, are you, who was your, was it your childhood crush or your teenage crush? Which one? Was childhood it? teenage. I left it open because, you know, some yeah. people didn't develop till later. Because hmm? <laughs> I think you, you probably get very different answers based on that. Um, 
Well, yes. Find it appropriate. As you and also, it. you know, you kind of get a, a vibe for the uh, demographic <laughs> of our but, listenership as well. A lot of Farrah Fawcett I saw in those responses. Yeah. That, uh... Yes. And what's funny is it's a Farrah Fawcett poster that uh, my dad suit. used yeah. to have in the house. Mm-hmm. And now my neighbor has one in honor up in his um, in-home bar. One of our listeners, Ken, came up with one that I, I I died because he took your your question literally there Jim pre K in reruns he had a thing for Annette Funicello in grammar school he liked Raquel Welch and in high school he liked anyone who looked good jeans Barbara Edens oh a lot of Barbara Edens mm. yeah. yes and I, I'm I'm not gonna lie uh, John Kevin Trent and several others also put up Catherine Bach or Daisy Duke so we had some Kathy Ireland in there. What was great is I, I honestly believe the number one answer on the board was Kelly Kapowski, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Good grief. Which oh. I, I, everyone, everyone. We had a listener who, um, who said, I'm just going to come right out and say it. Her name's Lauren, and she said, Donnie Osmond. Ha! You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That probably makes a, a lot of sense. As I'm going through this, I'm realizing – how many people selected Linda Carter, particularly Wonder Woman era, Linda Carter? Yes. And I'm going to observe, like, you know, the entire 1970s are this giant visual stylistic vomitorium, right? Paisley's, awful colors. Everything in the 70s looked terrible. Mm-hmm. And then along comes Linda Carter, who looks amazing. Yes. <laughs> it redeems the entire decade. She looks fantastic then. People would probably argue she looks better than any actress who's tried to play a superhero uh, since then. So um, I salute her. The only, Arguably the only good thing to come out of the 70s other than, you know, us. Shout out to some of our female listeners as well. Um, Haley said that she had a crush on Harry Potter. And, and that's no joke, according to her. <laughs> she just really liked Harry Potter. <laughs> and then another one of our listeners, Amy, who is a great friend as well of the show, she put in Richard Dean Anderson as MacGyver. Not bad. Oh. You know, it's funny because I, you saw Linda Carter, you saw, um, again, Daisy Duke a lot, Catherine Bach, you saw Ferret in there, um, some really, I mean, just iconic pictures of iconic and beautiful women. Someone, uh, and I can't remember now, I think it may have been Michael, who uh, put in that he was in love with Christy Brinkley and that she looked just as good now as she did then. And, you know, that's, that's pretty true. Uh, she, she's held up really, really well. Um, I, can, I can honestly say, like, this was a tough one for me because I wasn't really into the idea of, like, celeb crushes. Yeah. Um, I did have people that I liked. I liked Prince. I liked Boy George. And I liked Rob Lowe a lot. So those are probably like my top three. Right Has there. Rob Lowe responded to you on Twitter yet? No. <laughs> the day that happens, you know, is the day you'll be like, whoa, over the moon. We'll be dancing. What's and funny is I don't even really tweet at Rob Lowe. I think that, like, I, I read it. You know, I, I think that I'm still a little like, hey, that's Rob Lowe. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Marianne from Gilligan's Island to tweet back at me. <laughs> she also made an appearance on our list Dawn as well. Wells, that's right. She was so cute. What about you, Jim? You know, not a ton of celebrity crap. I will point out, like, you've got to go, like, really on the young end. There was at some point in my life where I just thought Smurfette was perfect. Now, <laughs> technically, she's animated. 
But at that point, I remember thinking, oh, that's a perfect woman right there. You know, if, if she wasn't <laughs> animated before, she will be hearing that you had a crush on her. <laughs> kind of, you know, as we're going down, a lot of them certainly were attractive. I'm trying to think, like, this was the teen years. <sighs> See, I would think that you fall into, like, the Cindy Crawford, Kathy Ireland, um, Elle McPherson age. I got a story for this. Okay, so I have, I have a, a you know, let's say post-teenager. I'm going to say college age. Okay. All right, so I don't think you've ever heard this story, Mickey. You've, a lot of people have heard this story. This is, you know, one of my favorites. So early on, uh, Minnie Driver comes up in Circle of Friends. And she's kind of this rising star of the mid-'90s, and I just think she's just cute as a button and that, you know, British accent and all that kind of stuff. Uh, late in my college years, Gross Point Blank comes out, one of the great, you know, dark comedies of all time, and Minnie Driver is the lead in it. Arguably never has looked better. But I get a chance because they're very much marketing it to the college audience. My college newspaper says they're doing a screening up in New York. Um, you can go up to it and do the screening and you can talk to John Cusack, Joan Cusack and Minnie Driver after the screening. And to me, this is this is manna from heaven. This is the greatest <laughs> opportunity. And I am just like, Driver. <laughs> so we go to the screening. I think Gross Point Blank is one of the great comedies of all time. They sit us down, and there's like probably like 15, 18 college jur- you know, journalists, film students uh, uh, sitting around the table. And in comes John Cusack, Joan Cusack, and Minnie Driver. The first question uh, to go to John Cusack, he says, well, I'm not really a uh, uh, college film reviewer. I'm actually a paper boy, and I'm here for my $2. Making a reference to you know, Better Off Dead. Right. And John Cusack just looks at the guy. <laughs> And is clearly not amused at all. And it's the most awkward moment. you know. You can, and the guy just kind of sheepishly shrinks in his seat and he says, uh, I'm sorry, I guess that wasn't very funny. And Cusack says, uh, it's not that it's not funny, I just didn't laugh. Uh-huh. And if the man could have burst into flame, he would have done so. He, he would have taken out a pen and stabbed himself in the heart to avoid the embarrassment. Get to so the part where you made Minnie Driver love you. Yeah, so, so we get around the table and all the questions are going to John Cusack. Now, you know, I'm there for Minnie Driver, and I say, um, okay, so uh-huh. everyone's asked questions of, of Mr. Cusack. I'm going to go to uh, Ms. Driver. Uh, did you guys improvise any of the dialogue or something? And she kind of looks at me, and she says, oh, how nice. A spare question. A charity question. <laughs> oh. Now, listeners to this program will know I'm pretty good at thinking on my feet. I can come up with good things. Let's say 20-year-old Jim did not have that. I believe my response at the time was, <laughs> oh my god just utterly struck me and then she goes and she gives the answer to the question or something but you know the ultimate moment to come up with something witty and some rejoinder to video i completely struck out and she, i might as well just have burst into flame at that moment threw you under the bus she tossed uh, you under chance to speak to any driver i totally screwed that up <laughs> i totally botched it um you know casey at the bat and uh if she ever listens to this podcast, she'll now know that's what's going on the other end of the table. The last so. thing I want to say about this Tuesday uh, game is I crossed the racial barrier and fell in love with Nichelle Nichols when I was seven years old. It's got to count well, for something. Uh, you know, love, love knows no color, Dave. That's right. No, no. I don't know when LL Cool J came into my life, but it was early. <laughs> uh, but like I said, Prince was already there. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, one of the things I, I want to share here as we're wrapping up the show, because it looks like we're coming up towards the end again um, of another fantastic hour with you guys, um, is that I do feel like I learned a lot about you, Jim. 
Um, <laughs> that story, I feel like I learned why you like Girls Point Blank so much, <laughs> and also why you're such a fan of that new show that Mini Driver's in. <laughs> it all makes so much sense, and so the cool. irony that her new show is called Speechless. There you go. Exactly. It's like no longer story. lost on me. You just layer the irony like a dagger. <laughs> That's a line I could have used then. You know? Yeah, see, you could have, but you know. Jerk store call. They're all out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for staying with us again this hour. We will be back next week. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. We've got our great Dave Perkins behind the board. Hey, hey! You can find us every single week on SoundCloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, and all of the places that you like to listen to podcasts. Do check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show or find us on Twitter at Jim and Mickey. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. We'll be back next week. (laughs) 